Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm one of your hosts, Margaret Kiljoy, uh, because joining me today are two other co-hosts, if you all want to introduce yourself. I'm Cassandra. I'm Brooke. <laughs> and today we are starting a new podcast. Uh, a new fun series talking about all the fun stuff that's going to be coming your way soon. It's called This Month in the Apocalypse because we've realized that on this podcast, we talk a lot with different people about how to do different skills, about different specific issues. But there's so much happening these days that it seems worthwhile to, to kind of keep track of this um, as it happens, all of the different things that are happening. I don't know. Does that decent description of what the hell we're trying to do mm-hmm. yeah sure and you will be excited to know that this podcast is a proud member of the channel zero network of anarchist podcasts and here's a jingle from another show on the network <laughs> it's going down and you're invited for what they selling we ain't buying there is no running there is no hiding there's only fighting or dying it's going down and you're invited for what they sell it we ain't buying there is no running there is no hiding there's only fighting or dying it's going down is a digital community center from anarchist anti-fascist autonomous anti-capitalist and anti-colonial movements our mission is to provide an autonomous and resilient platform to publicize and promote revolutionary theory and action. Go to whatsgoingdown.org for daily updates. Check out our online store for ways to donate and rate and follow us on iTunes if you like this podcast. We're back from the jingle. I'm <laughs> used to having an another podcast where there's actual ads which sucks and so i don't know how to talk anymore um so nothing really happened this month and everything is continuing as it should uh, i believe there's no major supply chain interruptions nothing forecasted bad Yay. to happen does that does that match with y'all's understanding yeah good done end of pod move on with our lives <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, what do we want to talk about first? We want to talk about shortages, all the stuff there's shortages of. Sure. Yeah, I was looking at a list and it's it's just everything. There are shortages in everything. Give me some examples. It started out like meat, dairy, eggs, and then it was like produce, <laughs> aluminum for packaging things, plastic for packaging things, fuel to get things to places. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things I was trying to think about was like, you know, when I was looking through, it seems like some of the things that there's shortages of, there's shortages of, from a supply chain point of view, sort of a temporary point of view, right? Like, like one of them is like pet food. I saw that one and I like freaked out. And it's like, I have a pet, you know, do I need <laughs> to fill my basement with like a, um, like a ball pit, but just full of kibble? Um, <laughs> Ongoing formula shortage issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, but and what's interesting is to try and figure out which of these things are the pet food issue, at least as I saw, is a little bit different than some of the other ones. It actually more is about there's increased demand because lockdown got more people to decide to become closer buds with different um, cr creatures that aren't human uh, that eat pet food. 
And I guess there's a word for those. And um, so <laughs> it's probably in the word pet food. Food. Uh-huh. People decide to become friends with different food. Uh, shit, I'm supposed to be the vegan on this podcast. Okay, so. Um, We're so off pet to food a is bang like, and start. Hell yeah. So pet food, it seems like the shortage is, um, at least at the moment, more just that like there's a lot more demand for pet food. And so therefore, like people are rushing to keep up kind of like the mask shortage at the beginning of the pandemic wasn't like, oh, God, we're out of the capacity to produce masks that just were like, oh, we need to like ramp up our infrastructure. And so there's like some of it like that. But then it seems like some of the other shortages um, are a little bit more because there's not the capacity to either create the thing or distribute the thing. I don't know. You all know more about this. You did more or even there's. I'm thinking about crops, like there's the ability to create the thing, but not to actually harvest and process the thing. Mm-hmm. It seems yeah. like every step along the way is having issues. <laughs> right. And if you've got issues with plastic and aluminum, then you, you can't package the thing. So maybe you can make it and maybe you even can ship it, but you can't pack it up. But yeah. there's also then lots of problems with actually transporting it from place A to B. One of the things, okay, I was reading a list too, and I <laughs> came up with this clever segue, so I'll just um, draw too much attention to the fact that I planned this ahead of time. One of the things that there's <laughs> supply chain shortages of, I was like looking through this list, and one of them was garage doors. And that's not something that I think about on a regular basis. Uh, I just don't think about whether or not I could go down to the store and buy a garage door today, right? <laughs> but it has all of these like, cascading effects and like i don't know you all were having this interesting conversation that i'm trying to trick you into having again about housing and the ability to construct homes and all that shit oh i thought you were referencing the conversation about how i actually need a new garage door and i was like oh, oh that's right i don't think tell that story i don't think that's useful of this podcast my <laughs> Well, I was just going to no. embarrassingly admit that I have two garage doors because I live rurally and there's multiple garages on the property. <laughs> so I just feel like I'm kind of like, you know, I'm stealing Rich from everyone else. By, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, technically, Cassandra and I also both have two garage doors because we have two car bays in our garage and each has a separate oh. door. So we yeah. are all two door garage privilege. door people. Yeah. Door yeah. privilege. Yeah. No, what you actually I mean, asked landlord. about is much more useful. Okay. <laughs> Brooke, please help. Yeah. Well, I feel like it came up because, you know, Cassandra, you, you're renting your current house and, and would love to buy it and have wanted to buy it for a while. And so you and I keep having these conversations about everything going on with the housing market. So let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, right before COVID, it seemed like a good time to buy a house. And then six months later, it seemed awful. And it seems like it's just getting worse. <laughs> yeah, that's super accurate. And for just a whole bunch of different reasons. I mean, housing has been overpriced for a while and has gotten just exponentially more so. The cost of housing is outrageous. But then the bigger kicker in the last year is interest rates on mortgages have doubled. You know, they went from a place where they were at like three or 4%, which is actually really pretty reasonable. Um, and now they're up between they're closer to 6% on average most of the time, which is not a good interest rate. And one of the things that we saw before the 
fall of the housing market back in 08 was these super high interest rates, you know, seven, eight percent or some of the really predatory lending stuff. People would have them at 10 or 12 percent. And we're not quite seeing that, but we are seeing the things like the six, seven, eight percent interest rates right now, which is not good. Does that mean we're heading for a similar place as 2008? Like, how does the how do these compare? I feel like, you know, a little bit more. Yeah, the um, the underlying factors that are causing our current bubble are very different from what we saw in 2008. The ultimate outcome will be a lot the same in a, in a housing crash and people not being able to afford their mortgages and all the ripples through the economy and whatnot. But the underlying causes are different. One of them is that the inflation has been on the rise. And so mortgages, you know, we tend to think of a mortgage as a thing that we have in order to buy our house. But from a bank's perspective, a mortgage is a commodity. It's a, it's a product that they're buying and selling. So anytime you see prices for products on the rise, mortgages are going to be one of those products that become more expensive. How does this affect renters? Like I would guess sort of maybe rudely that uh, most of our listeners are, are renters. And, you know, is it like, is that just going to cause rents to go up? If the fact that like, if, if mortgages are getting harder and harder for landlords, like, well, rents are already going. <laughs> at least what? here, I, I yeah. guess I wonder how much that's related, though. No, I don't know. Is it just yeah, looking at versus inflation? Like general inflation? Okay. Um, yeah. Which is interesting, though, right? Because um, one of the advantages of homeownership, it seems to me, is that it's slightly more inflation resistant because your interest stays the same; it's locked in of whatever you bought it at. You know, and so. And the amount you owe the bank doesn't go up in mat- to match interest. So do landlords have any excuse at all for jacking up rents? Because it's not like their uh it's not like their mortgages have gone up com- you know, the same amount as as interest. Well, if they're you know, requiring if they're using the mortgage payment that you're making in order to fund their life, if that's their source of income is the profit off uh, of you renting the house, then mm-hmm. their cost for all of their other goods in life are going up. So they need to make more money off of the thing that pays them, i.e. the renter. It doesn't seem like a good system, the idea that someone can just <laughs> make money off of um, someone else's uh, work instead of their own work. That doesn't that doesn't sound right. That sounds like communism. It doesn't actually sound like communism. But <laughs> it is what people claim. Um, it's incredibly problematic. Huh. Huh. So, so landlordism not not a good, um, not great. Hot no, take. I, I do not stand. I do not All stand right. the landlords. I hope my landlord right. doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> if uh, if he's the kind of person who listens to this podcast, he should just give you your house. It's true. Yeah, um, and if you're a landlord, shout out to my this, landlord. <laughs> yeah. Sell your house. This is to your renters at reasonable rates. At right, or just give them if you can afford it. Uh, yeah, we were um, we were talking about the interest rate the other day, Cass. And I think you had some good questions about. The, you had a bunch of good questions the other day that I would love to talk about here on the pod too. Oh shit! If you, I wonder if I can remember what my questions were. <laughs> the other day was a long time ago. <laughs> Understood. And also, you know the answers, so you're not wondering anymore. Y- yeah, or I just got confused and forgot, which is also possible. That's what I would have done if someone explained money things to me. 
Yeah, that's generally what my brain does as well. That's why Brooke's here. Thank you, Brooke. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I guess we should have done in the introduction why I'm relevant to <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, so like, so folks who've listened, if they've listened before, you, you've probably met me. Um, you might have met Cassandra. Cassandra's been on a few more times recently. Brooke, who are you? <laughs> Um, I am a baby anarchist uh, with the pronouns she and her Mm -hmm. um, living in Oregon, relatively near to Cassandra. And I have a background in economics and accounting because before I was an anarchist, I was a capitalist. I'm sorry. And I thought that capitalism was good and fine. And I did a whole lot of time studying and learning about it. And now I like to use all of that knowledge and understanding to talk about how bad capitalism is. I mean, the person who did the most work researching capitalism was Karl Marx. Um, <laughs> like, as far as I understand, like a lot of capitalists were like, ah, yeah, that, that's what we're doing. You know, after he like actually wrote down how capitalism works, just a different takes about whether it was good or bad. Sure. Um, so, you know. I don't know. Yeah. So, so we've been talking about, um, and Brooke is part of Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness, the, the publishing collective that um, puts out this podcast, as well as other good things, like a podcast with its, the name Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness that you can listen to also. And so we just, we've been having a lot of conversations amongst ourselves about like, well, what the fuck are we going to do as people as um, all of this crisis happens? And then we were like, oh, right, we should, uh, we should talk about this stuff more. So, I Let's remember. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> thanks for thanks for that giving me time to remember. So I'd asked about yeah interest rates. The last time they were this high was 1994, and theoretically, they're hiking up interest rates to help deal with inflation, which doesn't make sense to me. But Brooke, you had you understood that. <laughs> Yeah, because when you mentioned the thing about the interest rates, I was like, well, not actually. Um, Because the interest rate that we hear about a lot in the news is the um, federal funds rate, which is set by the Federal Reserve, which is the national bank that we have in our system. It's basically the bank that our banks use. So all of your U.S. banks and chases and all of that, they bank at the Federal Reserve. And that's the interest rate that we're talking about is the Federal Reserve's rate that they pay to banks to store money with them. Mm -hmm. So you're a bank and you are legally required to have a certain amount of your cash saved at the federal bank. It's like 10% of your holdings have to be there. And then the government says, thanks for letting us sit around and hold all your money. Here's some interest. And to incentivize banks to save more of their money, they've raised that interest rate. So that's the one that you've heard about. Oh, interesting. That is higher than it's been since 1984. And it's not directly tied to the other types of interest rates, like loan interest rates, you know, mortgages and credit cards and cars and stuff. But it definitely influences them because when you look at it from a bank's perspective, like you walk down to your neighborhood bank and you want to take out a loan from them. They have the choice to get a certain guaranteed interest rate 
from the federal government, which is super secure. They're going to get their money back. They're going to get their interest. You know, everything's safe over there or to loan, you know, you a consumer money and gain interest from you. And they only want to give you money if they can make more on it than they would by loaning it to the federal government, especially because you as a consumer might be taking it out for like a mortgage loan, which is going to be 30 years, let's say. So the bank's not going to get their money back for a much longer period of time. Whereas with the federal government, they can go anytime and say, hey, I need some of my money and get it right then. But you as the consumer, they can't. So they charge you, the consumer, a higher level of interest. So whatever that federal interest rate is, the bank is going to then want to set its interest rates that it charges to people higher so it can make more money. And if you can't afford to pay that higher interest, the bank is like, fine. I can load my money to the government and still make, you know, still make money off of it. So how does this relate to inflation? How does this relate to everything costing more money now? And like, you know, you're saying that they were like, they're doing this to solve it. It sounds like it would make it worse to Mm -hmm. me. I don't know shit about shit, but. Yeah. So they're trying to make money more valuable. Mm -hmm. So right now, because inflation is high, Let's say you have a dollar in your pocket and you go buy a banana today and that banana costs $1. So your dollar equals a banana. Let's say you decide to buy a banana tomorrow Mm -hmm. and you still only have $1, but the price of the banana has gone up to $1.10. You no longer have one banana's worth of money in this situation. 92% of a banana or something. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's too high for a banana, but that was the first thing that came to mind. (laughs) Anyway, so they want to curb that inflation so that tomorrow you can still buy your banana for a dollar. But in order to do that, they have to make your money more valuable in a sense. And they do that by removing some of the money that's out there in the world. It's Is it possible I'm an anti-capitalist just because the shit doesn't make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You have to stop thinking about money the way that we as normal human beings think about it as like, I give you this stupid thing and you give me something good and useful and think about it in terms of a bank that thinks of it as a product. So their money is a product that they can buy and sell and get value for. So when you decrease the amount of a product that's available, what's left becomes more valuable. I'm I'm glad this isn't a visual recording so people can't see my like trying to grok face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your face is very helpful to me to know whether or not I am making any sense I'm whatsoever. sure you're making sense I just my, it, yeah my brain shuts down when I think about this stuff which is why yeah. I'm glad you're here yeah and it's like I want to understand this stuff but I also have a little bit of a like yeah part of why I'm anti-capitalist is I'm like this just seems needlessly complicated um, <laughs> and then I'm like yeah, that's the- but then I turn around and I'm like okay so a federated model where you have all of these different autonomous groups <laughs> and the spokes go to this other thing. And then those make decisions by consensus, <laughs> except in some cases where they use majority vote, except people have a block. But then as it goes to this other level, and then this is the way they communicate. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm not actually afraid of complicated uh, <laughs> organizational structures. Um, but that's di- complicated is different than bureaucratic, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I find myself living in this weird place of like, all of this is just ridiculous and unnecessary and mostly really bad. 
but also this is how the thing works. And I'm a pretty big proponent in like understanding how the thing works, especially when you want to dismantle the system. Yeah, no. And like, I, I actually just want to appreciate you and, and people like you, you know, I remember I had a conversation with someone once recently where they're like, Oh, I don't think the anarchists would like me. I like spreadsheets too much. And I'm like, no, we need you. We, <laughs> we need love you, you more than we need other people. Um, yeah. For the listeners at home, every time the word spreadsheet comes up in the strangers group discussions for work, I'm always like, me, me, do I get to do it? Can I have a spreadsheet? <laughs> Whereas I'm, I'm like, I've been doing it and I'm like, I don't know. I'm just beating my head against these things. Well, Brooke, you mentioned wanting to understand like how how things work. And I'm wondering... So we talked about the fact that there is inflation, but I'm wondering what the factors are contributing to that, like why it's continuing to go up at such a rapid rate because we haven't really. Inflation? Yeah. Why it's going up so much? Yeah. Yeah, Inflation is a complicated beast. We know that a portion of it is just straight up corporate greed and fucking capitalism being capitalism you know, of companies saying, oh, we can, we can raise prices and have greater profits and people will just like do that and we get more money. Yay. So, um, and because it's happening in real time, there's not like great data to say, oh, half of the reason of inflation or whatever. Like we don't know exactly how much that specific action is, you know, contributing to it, but it's some large portion of inflation is just because companies are awful greedy and terrible. But a couple of other factors that are leading into it are fuel prices, like everything in the world is basically affected by fuel prices to move things from A to B and the creation of so many things, you know, incorporate some amount of petroleum. And it was a third thing that just fell out of my brain. Um, but that actual cost is on the rise. So like it is more expensive to create products. So that's uh, contributing to it. And then also uh, the shortages in the supply chain. Like we were just talking about that anytime there's less of something, it becomes more valuable. So like how you see price gouging when there's an emergency, you know, like like if the city's water shuts off, suddenly bottled water becomes more expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's um, because there's less of it then they can start to charge more because people who will afford it can still buy it and people who can't, then too bad for that. And again, it's all just because capitalism is evil and bad. So in terms of like solutions, one of the things we talk about, we want to talk about all the bad stuff and then we want to talk about what people can do at least as individuals and communities uh, to combat it, right? And like, and I'll say that for my own sake and I, I don't know that this is actually, I you know, I actually... Um, I've talked with some of my friends who actually work in finance and they're a little bit like, that's not what I would have first thought of, but that does, I guess that makes some sense. You know, one of the things I've been thinking about, right, is like, I don't know, like if you can getting things that hold value, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is in the sort of traditional prepper sense, this is where you like run out and buy gold, right? Um, not because gold is an investment, it doesn't become necessarily more valuable, but it because it like is more likely to hold its value, as inflation goes up. But I would argue the same is true of hard liquor, which does not go bad. I don't even drink hard liquor, but I have a bunch of it. <laughs> Ammunition, 
Eh? Eh? Okay, this is going to be, everyone's giving me the, we let this wingnut prepper on. But ammunition <laughs> does go up and down in value. But overall, I will argue that it will stay valuable and therefore uh, continue to hold its value against inflation. Um, and then also like, this is where my financial friends get really mad at me. I'm like, basically like spend it if you've got it because like, because money is becoming less and less valuable. So like cash in your pocket is just losing money when it stays in your pocket. Its value goes down every day. You get fewer and fewer bananas. Bananas. Um, yeah, you get fewer <laughs> bananas every day the longer that you hold on to. Your, you know, I kind of want a banana. Uh, <laughs> but so like, okay, so this is like, for example, this is like why I'm like, all right, well, fuck it. Like get tools, get stuff if you can, right? Obviously this is like kind of annoying advice for anyone who, I mean, like right now, I think most of the money issue that people have right now is not having enough money for their basic necessities that they meet on a regular basis. But even yeah. like, like I was like, I don't know, I was like trying to explain to someone and being like, all right, look, if you're going to go out, if you're going to spend uh, X amount of money on canned chili over the next three months, buying it now instead of later, if you can afford it, will literally get you more chili because the prices of everything are just going to go up. And so as you're able to, fucking cans of chili are better than cash right now is my my claim, especially um, the the good vegan chili with the little TVP in it. Um. Yeah, yeah. If you've got a spare dollar in your pocket today, it's going to be less valuable tomorrow. It's going to be less valuable the day after that. It's just going to keep getting less valuable as long as we're in this cycle of this high inflation. So as much as I tend to be like a saver, it does make more sense at the moment to go buy things, preferably things that are like durable, useful, and will last than to it's still saving. Yeah. Yeah. You just transfer in you the know. value into a different form. Yeah. yeah. Buy some my seeds. My preferred form is seeds. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's my preferred form. Yeah. How to books? Like, oh, I just got I got all my spring seeds for next year. Oh wow! Yeah, just last week because I knew they'd be way more expensive next year, and they're just in the fridge in plastic bags, waiting. Very smart. <laughs> that's that's a genuinely a good investment, especially given the food supply shortages that we've got going on right now. Yeah, what a Is good, that a good segue. segue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you all like this new format of friends chatting. <laughs> we'll work on it. We're doing great. No, it's going to be exactly this great every time. Uh, food shortages. What do you mean food shortages? That sounds like a bunch of wingnut talk. Well, there like are no food shortages. There's no such thing as food. <laughs> Buy guns. <laughs> eat ammo <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking when you said ammo and gold and I was like that's good those are things you can eat we'll be fine <laughs> yeah 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 I think there's something to be said about the fact that you and I both have kids bro yes <laughs> so I'm like oh how, what you know if I have 20 extra bucks what am I putting it into it's like it's food <laughs> not whiskey <laughs> not whiskey <laughs> yeah Pretty much all the time. Or the next size of clothing for my child that doesn't yeah. stop growing. Ah. But but yeah, food shortages. So that's a, like 
a really interesting and again, very complicated topic. Uh, so I work part-time for a local farm as well. And, um, here in Oregon, our spring was especially wet. Like it's, it's a, Oregon's a fairly wet place and we, we get a fair amount of rain in the spring, but it was like a lot more than usual and it stayed cold for longer. So this farm, which usually opens up, um, the first week of June and starts selling produce had to delay by a week, um, its start date because there just was, there weren't crops and then they're battling larger infestations of problems and new and different ones. So they've had funguses and mold and bugs, different kinds of bugs and greater quantity of bugs attacking their crops. And they've been larger sending bugs. like, yeah, yeah the bugs the size of cars. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've been sending almost weekly samples to the, uh, state, um, the Oregon state extension office, which is our, um, they do a bunch mm-hmm. of farming program things. Anyway, they, they, OSU. Have some, yeah, OSU. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of states have extension services from their, um, state university. Anyway, that, that analyze like, what is this blight? What is this fungus? Why is this thing turning yellow? Why is, you know, what is causing this? So they, you know, what normally is this language a couple... it's speaking to me and, and why are its eyes rotating sideways? Yeah. In its head? Yeah. <laughs> they test for that kind of thing too. ET mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, they would usually send maybe a couple of samples in a season and they've had to send like almost weekly samples for two or three months. And then, you know, devising on the fly, uh, because it's an organic farm, you know, safe organic practices to combat these things. And it's, you know, required a lot of extra time and investment and attention to, um, the farm and the crops that are going in it just to, to get a healthy crop out of it. And we're not even experiencing, you know, the heat wave here that they're experiencing in what, like Western Europe right now. Yeah. And parts of the Southern and Central United States also, but. Yeah. Um, North Africa. Yeah. I was reading that in Portugal, it's so hot that farm equipment is setting dried crops on fire as they're like trying to harvest things. Oh, wow. Like things are that hot and dry. Um, Growing food is becoming more difficult. That seems to be the moral of the story. Well, fortunately, uh, I believe the the biggest bread basket of um, the world, or at least of Europe, is doing just fine and isn't currently being invaded by a megalomaniac. Um, and certainly huge chunks of the left aren't supporting someone who would invade such a place. So, <laughs> or uh, as I, I, I doubt this is news to anyone who's, who's listening, but maybe it is, you know, um, the, the war in Ukraine is um, fucking up the, will, will fuck up remarkably the harvest uh, in Ukraine of wheat. And I, I believe like it's them in the U S maybe are the biggest exporters of wheat in the world. I, should have looked up my actual i'm learning so much about how i'm going to do this next time i was just reading percentages and they fell out mm-hmm. of my brain but it's big the the combination of ukraine and russia and it's mostly ukraine on this they provide 12 percent of the world's wheat supply or to put it in other terms ukraine's wheat feeds 400 million people a year so like the for scale the population of the u.s like one year's worth of wheat. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. And they're basically going to have 
essentially the zero harvest coming out of Ukraine this year in terms of wheat. And it's not just like not having flour on the shelf, but if you're a meat eater, you know, grain fed, grain finished, my brain just died. Animal feed. Animal feed. Thank you. Fuel and animal feed. (laughs) Cows in particular. Yeah. All the little things that the the grain goes into. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. very bad. And, um, you know, we in the U.S. might not experience as much of that being a wealthy country that's more insulated. Like one of the readings I was doing was talking about how, of course, Africa will be one of the most um, impacted continents by all of this because it has the highest rate of imports of food from other places because so much of it's inhospitable to um, growing or growing large quantities of food. And they often get the short end of the stick when there's global supply chain issues. And it's not just the U.S.'s position as wealthy. Um, it's that we grow. Uh, I, I think I, I think we're the largest exporter of food in the world. I, again, really have learned so much about the kind of stuff I'm going to look up before I start recording next time. Um, <laughs> yeah, California but, grows like some, you know, percentage of the entire world. It's just California, the state of California alone grows as uh, an appreciable percent of the world's food supply. Um, not to just drive home the annual agriculture point, but wow, it sure takes so much more grain to feed a cow to then turn around and feed a person than to just feed the grain to the person. Whoa. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I get accused of propaganda. (laughs) (laughs) But Margaret, I can't eat grain. Yeah, no, I know. That's actually why I don't believe in uh, everyone should do X. There's very few things that I would say everyone should do. Um, And that certainly, um, certainly applies to diet more than almost anything else. People should do what they need and what their bodies want and also what their, you know, local environment sustains most effectively and all of those things. Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday about food shortages that I'm going to forget the name of now. There are uh, other but one podcasts? Of the there are other podcasts oh, that well, exist. Okay, wow. Cool people um, who did cool stuff. No, it wasn't that one. I'm sorry, cool Margaret. Stuff. Wait, there's a third podcast? Strangers in a Tangled <laughs> Wilderness. <laughs> Is it Behind the Bastards? Is that the... Oh yeah, I guess they do technically. Are they still allowed to have a podcast? I thought we shut that down. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So you, can't, you can't start um, beef always... with another podcast because it takes too much grain. Oh. <laughs> That's the title of this episode now. <laughs> it's called Interrupting Cassandra. That's the name of the podcast. Oh I love you, Cassandra. What? I'm sorry. You guys, my brain can't hold a thought for that long. Um. <laughs> Understood. Okay, so I was listening to this, what I would call like a, I don't know, progressive podcast and I'm usually really annoyed with the like we can solve climate change and world hunger by eating locally Mm -hmm. um but when we're talking about you know international food food shortage crises um that does seem like one of the more manageable solutions we were talking in the chat prior to this episode episode and I was saying that I feel really grateful for my CSA share this summer (laughs) Because I paid for it, you know, months ago, which means that, Ah, you know, if we're going back to the banana analogy. Uh, I mean, 
that is very accurate. <laughs> you know, yeah. we've got, we've got eggs included in the um, CSA that I work on. And, uh, you know, we do a small markup on that just to cover all the logistics of getting the eggs from the egg supplier. Um, but she had to raise prices at the start of the season um, and will probably have to raise them again, like in the fall. Uh, but if you signed up for the CSA and that included eggs in your particular box, your price gets to be set right where it is. Yeah. It's hard though, right? Because especially when we're talking about prepping, like one of, I, I get annoyed with prepping conversations because oftentimes people either don't have the space to store large quantities of things mm -hmm. or the money to buy things in bulk. And I would consider paying for a CSA ahead of time, buying a thing in bulk yes. um, or similar, you know, similar impact. Um, and it's hard because a lot of people can't do that. <laughs> um, like I was hurting for a few months because the payment came out. And I was like, oh yeah, that thing I said I'd pay for. Um, I'm glad I did it, but Okay, but there yeah, is a was... community. So, go ahead. Okay, so there is a community solution to to this, though. Um, mm -hmm. So you can't eat ammunition, but <laughs> if you have enough ammunition and friends, uh, this thing that happened in history that should never happen again because it was violent during the Spanish Civil War, people collectivized all the farms. Wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. <laughs> no, but see, see, this is the. Did they do it with dinosaurs? Uh, I've I've heard that dinosaurs were involved. I at least read one story about that. Um, but um, you know, it, it, I mean, it's funny to me, right? Because it's like on some level, okay, so individual solutions are complicated because they involve certain types of resources. A lot of community solutions are good, and they're working to set up different kinds of like small scale agriculture that you can do within a community and mutual aid organizations that can take care of people and help fill in some holes in different people's like dietary needs and stuff like that. But it's like, it's so frustrating because honestly, like, like a lot of the solutions to these problems are, um, destroy the existing infrastructure and build an infrastructure. Well, not even the infrastructure, the systems that control the current infrastructure and enter them into a, um, more reasonable, and equitable <laughs> method of distribution. But obviously uh, that has some risks associated with it. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I guess, I guess sometimes I get like frustrated because it's like, you know, we're all like kind of trying to be like, okay, how do we deal with these issues and this issue? And it's like, and we should figure out how to do it on these like smaller scales, but it's like so frustrating because I think so many people like, kind of have a sense of like what the grander solution is and just don't know how to fucking do it. Yep. Including me. I don't know how to do it. Although in 1936, that, anyway. <laughs> Were you going to say something, Brooke? Uh, uh, one way to help solve the problem of food supplies in a very small way, uh, you know, amongst you and your friends Um we grow things more efficiently when we focus on growing one thing at a time. So we've talked about on the pod, you know, growing, starting a garden, even a single container on your balcony kind of a thing. But if you have a friend or a couple of friends that can also do a little gardening, maybe talking amongst yourselves and have each of you grow a specific thing or a couple of specific things, and they have each of the three of you be different. And that way you can focus on doing a good job of growing your couple of things 
and they can do a good job growing their couple of things. And then you can exchange the produce as it starts to ripen because it'll be more than you want. I like that. When you said one thing, my brain was like, but polycultures. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm thinking of like, if I could get everyone on my street to, you know, grow something in their backyard and we all had one different crowd, you know, just this whole weird place that my brain goes to that would be beautiful. Um, but the other thing about the, the food shortages, the crop growing problems and all of that, that I wanted to point out is how much this is an immediate future problem. Like right now we're having all of these problems growing things and creating the food and what we're eating for a lot of the part is, you know, if you're eating dry foods, packaged foods and stuff that was grown maybe last year in a previous growing season. So where we're going to start to see this pinch even worse is going to be later this year and into next year when we're going to, you know, buy things that were grown in a previous season, except they weren't because Ukraine didn't export any grain or because all of the black bean crops failed or what have you. So it's going to get worse very soon because of that kind of problem. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so yeah, no, that start, also makes me thinking about growing a thing like right now before that problem really hits home. And then you'll suddenly have some food growing on your back porch or whatever. That also makes me grateful for um, this is probably an option in other areas, not just where we are, but Brooke and I are part of a co-op and we can purchase things through companies at wholesale prices. So like I just put in an order for like 10 pounds of salt and 25 pounds of beans and, you know, makes me grateful for options like that. Yeah. Bulk buying can help. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's like kind of the origins of food co-ops as far as I understand it is that, you know, now we have this conception. I feel like most people are like, why would a food co-op be cheaper? Food co-ops are more expensive because like Mm. food co-op is like practically just like um, a way of saying super bougie independent uh, grocery store with natural food. And the the origin of food cooperatives is basically people pooling together and saying like, well, we want to buy a bunch of food. So let's act like we're a store and go to the distributor and put in orders together. Um, and those do still exist in various places. And also not everything that calls itself a food co-op is just bougie and shitty. And like some of them are very good. Yeah. yeah. I would say ours isn't, wasn't, at least that's from my very vibes perspective. Wasn't good <laughs> or wasn't bad? Wasn't bougie. Wasn't bougie. Ah, uh, yeah. Can I go back to, Cassandra, you mentioned the, um, heat wave stuff happening in Europe and crops catching on fire. I had read last week about this heat wave that was coming in Europe and some of the problems they anticipated having, but I have not had time this week to like catch up on what actually happened. And I think both of you guys have been paying uh, more attention to that news. And I'm curious if you want to uh, enlighten me and perhaps our listeners (laughs) about the actual effects of that heat wave in addition to farming equipment, catching crops on fire. Part of a part of a glacier collapsed. Whoa! Oh fuck! In Italy, they still have glaciers there. Apparently, you ever get depressed? Have you ever gone to Glacier National Park and just been sad because you're like, (laughs) it's just full of signs that are like, there used to be a glacier here, and you're like, this sucks. That would be depressing. It's really beautiful, anyway. 
what does what does it mean that the glacier collapsed? Like, so like a, a portion, mountain fell over, like an avalanche. Like a portion okay. of this glacier collapsed and it killed eleven people. Um, oh, but it's just also like testament to how hot it was. Wow, Iran was like one hundred and twenty six degrees. Oh gosh. There was something about the railways, the rail lines that so, was having problems. Yeah, so um, Turf Island is this island off of the coast of Europe uh, <laughs> that is ruled by – it's still a monarchy, and it's ruled by J.K. Rowling, queen of the turfs. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, most of her subjects actually wish they didn't live on a place called Turf Island um, and wish that they could go back to just being embarrassed about having colonized most of the world because uh, that's also worth being embarrassed about. Anyway, yeah. England, Turf Island, it's pretty uh, fucked right now. And uh, um, I mean, the, the same as the rest of Europe, right? But uh, England is normally a dreary, overcast pit place. And that's why everyone has turned their hate against so many people. And so they, um, <laughs> so their, their rail infrastructure is designed, you can build railways for cold and you can build railways for heat, but it's like actually kind of hard to build railways for both because uh-huh. you have these like, long chunks of steel these rails right and they warp and as people want to go faster and quieter they are now continuous rails that are welded into like one continuous thing um which means that when they distort in the heat or contract in the cold or whatever it's a bigger issue right so their rail system uh, at least as, as we record right now is just like fucked and like a lot of the rails aren't running or if they are running, they're running really slowly to not like, um, I believe cause additional heat and cause additional problems. I actually don't remember exactly why we're going slowly is uh, the solution to this, but it's like such as like a clear example. And then they're having this thing where, and I'm sure this happens everywhere, but they're particularly good at being like cozy during crisis. That's like part of the national character as far as I can tell. And so they're like, oh, this isn't a big deal. And like they had this heat wave in 1976. And so they're all like, oh, this is just like 1976. But and 1976 was bad, right? But there hasn't been like more and more heat, more and more times, right? That was a little bit of an outlier year, whereas they're constantly breaking all these records and it's just, um, it's fucking everything up. And I hate, I one, I sort of hate that I know more about this than I know about some of the stuff that's going on in Iran, or I know that uh, very recently India has had really massive heat waves that are causing a lot of problems. I know China. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but there's this sort of like, I don't know, at least by the way people are talking about it who are not in England, I almost feel like there's this like, oh, thank God if this happens to the English and the white Americans, like maybe something will start happening. And because like just seen as like these like centers of power or whatever, but people are very resistant to actually believing anything's wrong, but it's really obviously something wrong. Oh my gosh. But you know what people are willing to believe is wrong? (laughs) What? People are willing to believe that our globalist overlords at CERN have shifted our dimension multiple times and opened a gateway to hell and summoned Satan. And that's why everything's bad. It can't be climate change. It has to be (laughs) a stranger things portal (laughs) Mm -hmm. run by the Jews. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to ask if the Jews were involved. I thought you all were busy with a space laser. Always. (laughs) 
You all multitask an actual so well. space laser. I know. What's that? <laughs> I said you all multitask so well. Like you're busy running a space laser. I mean, I guess like it's because we rest one whole day a week that we have all this <laughs> energy. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. We Mormons do too, but we do not have space lasers. So <laughs> you have like yeah, aliens Catholics don't and rest. <laughs> tablets. And oh, wait, shit. I don't know. <laughs> Um, wait, so please, uh, please explain more. So there, okay. So CERN is the, the miniature black hole creator, right? <laughs> wait, uh, that part, I thought I wasn't even lying. I thought that was what it does. It like, like investing. Am I wrong they, about this? It's, they, it's, it's so, a particle accelerator. For yeah, those of us no, it's physics. not. It's a group. It's a group. CERN isn't even the thing oh. itself. CERN is the like group that does oh, the, the co- research. Yeah, sorry. The, oh, like the, the Zionist is the particle or whatever. Okay. Yeah, and it's the like they're around the 50s and they do like particle physics shit that I don't understand. You know, finding new particles, researching antimatter, I, potentially creating many black holes, apparently. Do you think antimatter um, gets mad, mad at regular matter, like kind of like an antifa versus fa kind of thing? <laughs> Well, matter According wins to... over antimatter, so I mean, it can but get mad all at once. It loses the battle. That's... But they're trying to find, you know, proof of like the Big Bang and mm-hmm. doing all these. But, but then, so it's been around for a long time. It's been around since the fifties, I think. But I want to say the facility, the particle collider. <laughs> This is going to be the funniest explanation because none of us understand it fully. Um, but they <laughs> apparently the facility is like 17 miles wide mm-hmm. and most yeah. of it's underground and it looks very like, you know, Stranger Things, Stranger Things sci-fi, yeah. space well, agey. It's that wide because it's a giant metal circle. So it's not yeah. actually like taking up 17 miles, but like right. if you were to go from one end of this metal tube to the other, like it is that far apart. Yeah, it's like a roller yeah. derby rink. Um, <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> or it will be. Yeah, so all these conspiracy theorists for years now, I think particularly since 2012, have decided that the reason things continue to be bad mm-hmm. is that the, uh, there are multiple theories, but one is that the world actually ended in 2012. Another is that each time they turn on this particle collider, we like shift timelines. So that's happened in like 2012, 2016. And then just this last July 5th, apparently. Uh, It's just fascinating to me the lengths people will go to to explain bad shit happening rather than just like accepting climate change. Yeah. Or like pausing to understand capitalism and its function and its impact <laughs> like nope it's gotta be a black hole to satan <laughs> <laughs> this is especially funny to me because the the collider literally takes like a, the like the tiniest little bits of matter like it tries to get down to like a single atom and then sends it through this giant tube to smash into each other and i'm like yeah so like you're telling me that like two oxygen molecules smashing into each other is what's opening multiple yeah. timelines. And it's it's stuff that's like only comprehensible and interesting to physicists as far as I can understand. Like if you look at their list of achievements, none of them make sense to a normal human being. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I kind of like some of that stuff, but I read a lot of science fiction. 
but yeah, I, I I have an ex who's like really into both space and physics and is really fascinated by some of the work they've done, but yeah, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me at all. And it doesn't make sense to the conspiracy theorists either. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's fun. okay so we're running out of food uh-huh. europe's on fire <laughs> not just europe apparently north africa china india the southern united states most of the world in the last two years has burned down in one way or another yeah <laughs> we're opening black hole portals no one can buy a house what's that margaret oh just always the wrong parts of it are burning down Right. I mean, well, the, with the exception of the third precinct. Yes. Notable. <laughs> we, notable exception. We're, st- we're still figuring out how to aim the space laser. <laughs> mm. Okay. Okay. So it was actually you all. It wasn't actually Dark Biden. Oh, no. Marjorie Taylor Greene blamed the wildfires. On the That's space how lasers? the space laser thing started. Oh, my God. Really? Why would you burn down the fort? Is is her claim that you all don't know how to aim it? <laughs> let me find. Let, this was what is her rationale for-, for why the Jews <laughs> have decided to start forest fires? It it seems to me that even if I, there are other targets that I could imagine as an anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist that I would imagine that the Jews would point the space laser at. Right. Let me try to let me see if I can find the exact tweet because it was really funny. Oh, all I can find is spoof tweets. I feel bad for you having to search. read through Marjorie Taylor Greene's tweets right now. That's that's a punishment you do not deserve. The like wingnut anti-Semites kind of crack me up. I don't know why she would blame it on that. I have no idea. It's, it's like, I mean, okay, well, QAnon let's come up with it. Ties into the whole thing as oh, well, okay. right? Yeah, I mean, Cassandra, QAnon do your people hate force? Forests? Yes. No, Do you hate we, forests? We actually have a whole holiday dedicated to trees. <laughs> wow, that's cool. <laughs> Tashuba Av. <laughs> we like the trees. <laughs> uh, well, maybe you are trying to... No, I don't even want to... I'm trying to come up with this <laughs> conspiracy theorist, but I don't want to do it. I can't do it. Okay. Uh, hey, here's a news thing that we didn't talk about in our briefing, and I don't know if we mm-hmm. care to right now, but are y'all paying any attention to the whole January 6th committee things? They just had one last night. Yeah, no, I, I mean, didn't like, read about last a night. Bit. Okay. I am mostly not paying attention as well, except that I see these tweets of people being like, oh my gosh, did you know blah, blah, blah? And most of it's like all along, I feel like, yeah, that's been reported on already. We already knew about that. Why is this news? That's kind of how I feel about it. I, I like maybe maybe it's not fair, but I kind of just see it as political theater at this point. Like we we all know what they did. We watched it um, and we all know what their organizations look like. Anti-fascists have done the infiltration work and released all of the like everything anyone has ever said to each other. That's a fascist in the United States has been released by anti-fascists, not the government. And so in some ways, I'm a little bit like. And, and maybe it's not right. Maybe, maybe I should care more about it. But in my mind, I'm a little bit like I've I've moved on to the next <laughs> news cycle <laughs> issue in my head, and it feels like kind of like remember how we were like waiting forever for them to impeach Trump, and they're like, mm. we swear we're going to impeach Trump soon, and I'm like, is this whole thing just a way for the Washington Post to sell newspapers? <laughs> and like, 
And and that's more again more than is fair. How I how I feel a little bit about January six. It's just like okay, y'all found something that you can milk for. New, I don't know. I, I mean, the too little, too late sort of encapsulates yeah. our response to most things, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's climate change or insurrection. <laughs> now, the one I, good thing that did that did come out of last night's was a little video of uh, Senator Josh Hawley running away from the rioters. And then all the people on Twitter who used that little video and set it to various pieces of music. <laughs> <laughs> finding moments of joy <laughs> he's the guy who supported he's the guy who was supporting them beforehand right yeah he's the one with like the the really well-known um fist raised in support yeah picture yeah. right before they started destroying everything i never thought that the leopards eating people's faces party would eat my face <laughs> <laughs> well does that seem like a a decent spot to end it for july Nothing bad can happen in the next Great. week. There's going to be like wanted at least to give a... people more hope, you know, like more oh, right. tools or ideas mm. or. Okay. So. Or even just like. Buy whiskey, build a bunker. <laughs> Thanks are bad. If oh, you live thanks. in wildfire country, like we do, mm-hmm. uh, those plastic blame the windows. Juice. Blame the juice. <laughs> um, we can say that uh, just because I'm a Jew. I want to make that really clear um, <laughs> before we put this podcast out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, buy those plastic window sealer kits and fresh filters for your air filters. <laughs> yeah, and do it before they're needed. That's part of the supply chain stuff. Plant a zucchini. Plant a zucchini with your neighbors and trade them with each other. <laughs> what if everyone just grows zucchini? Zucchini is really versatile, you know? That was the main zucchini thing that potatoes. my mom grew. My mom grew mostly zucchini. And so it was just like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then everything is made out of zucchini for like two weeks. <laughs> and I, I actually loved it um, because we ate so uh, much zucchini bread and it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> They're relatively Thanks, easy. Mom. Like if you haven't gardened before and you need something to garden that'll make you feel really good and successful, like... They, they're easier to grow, you know, a little harder to kill. And then when they start producing, like you get these big zucchinis and like, if you completely ignore them, you can get these like just monstrous beasts and you, it's just really satisfying to grow zucchini. It's funny. I never grow zucchini because I always have friends who grow zucchini and have too much. Yes. That's what <laughs> zucchini does. Yeah. Anyway. Grow zucchini. This podcast brought to you by zucchini. <laughs> Okay, what's another hopeful? Um, uh, don't rush out and buy a garage door right now if you can <laughs> avoid it. Um, turn your basement if you're into a, a kiddie pool full of uh, kibble. <laughs> if you're garage door privileged, you can just like revel in that. Yeah. yeah. And genuinely, you know, pet food is an example of a thing where if you're going to go, if you have some extra money and you're going to go invest it, quote unquote, in something, uh, pet food will hold up. And your pet will need food. So instead of bananas, buy pet food. And if you do buy bananas, you have to put them in, you have to peel them and put them in the freezer if you want them to last. Um, and then you turn them into smoothies. That's the only good way to eat a banana anyway. Controversial take. 
I, I do not agree. Yeah, I just, uh, huh? I thought we, I thought we, uh, <laughs> I thought we were friends. I just, I just lost two friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just know oh, not to bring bananas over to your house. They won't be safe. <laughs> well, they I'll are use safe. them perfectly for smoothies and banana bread. Go in the freezer. That's not good. No. Yeah, and how and the hell do we end this? <laughs> we we like can do this, right? Like all this like bad shit's happening, but like the reason to talk about all this bad shit that's happening is to stare soberly into the face of what's coming, not so that we like give up and like it's not the part in the movie where the run there's a monster and then the monster eats everyone. It's the mm-hmm. part where you're standing on the bulwark of the I watch a lot of fantasy movies, the bulwark of the castle and you look out and there's the gathering storm and the hordes of um, usually uh, poorly racially designed enemies um, is coming. Now I just feel bad about using this analogy. I love Lord of the Rings, but that was not. The new Lord of the Rings is about to come out. Yeah. Apparently it's uh, more racially fair and equitable and diverse. Yeah. Um, And that's good. And I, I, I personally, more than I probably should, think Tolkien would have listened to some of this criticism since he like, um, like when the Nazis came to Tolkien and were like, hey, we love your story. Are you a Aryan? And he got really fucking mad. And he was like, uh, they were like, he was like, if you're asking if I'm Jewish, I am sad to say that I am not. But fuck all of you forever. Um, so anyway. Um, he's Comrade not a perfect Tolkien. man. He's not, <laughs> but, but I think he, I think he meant well. And we all know that intentions are what matter. Okay, so, but this is the part of the movie where you're staring out at the, uh, you know, the bad thing is coming, right? And it is a big bad thing, and we can't just all go back to bed and be like, oh ho ho, the government will take care of this for us, right? Because the government is one of the things that's out there gathering and the big fucking mass. Um, well, parts of it, because government's made out of people, and some parts of it will probably stop being part of the government when bad things happen. But um, <laughs> well, like the National Guard like gives food to the like mutual aid groups, and like that they're supposed to give to Red Cross. Like this has happened sometimes. They're like, oh shit, this, you all actually put things where they're supposed to go, and they like help the anarchists right. instead of the bureaucracies because they're people. But we can do this. We can look. We can see what's happening. We can face it. We can communicate with other people about what we're facing. We can work together to uh, get through this. And um, and I, I genuinely believe that. And that's why I do this podcast. And that's why my basement is full of kibble. And um, <laughs> We're all going to come swim in it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. It's probably going to be full of rats by that time. But, you know. <laughs> Um, rats need food too. Yeah, rats yeah. Need food too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm a rat farmer in my face. <laughs> like that's the turn you never expected from old Margaret. <laughs> vegan, <laughs> vegan turn rat farmer. <laughs> I'm still vegan. Oh lord. <laughs> okay, so this sub segment is the this most is special. <laughs> All right. And. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell people about it. You can um, tell people about it on the internet. 
and you can tell people about it not on the internet and both of those things are good because not in person because on the internet is good because of algorithms and in person is good because that's a better way to live your life um she said while living alone and on the top of a mountain um (laughs) and also if you want to support us more directly you can do so by sponsoring our patreon uh we are published by strangers in a tangled wilderness which is a um anarchist collective uh that is dedicated to creating uh, culture and good stuff uh sometimes we do theory but that's like not our thing it's like almost like we try and kind of do the other stuff around um and you can support us by following us on patreon or by supporting us on patreon patreon.com slash strangers in the tangled wilderness if you sponsor us at ten dollars or more a month we will send you a zine anywhere in the world for free every month if you sponsor us at all you'll get access to the digital copy uh even before other people get access i think usually we're good at that sometimes most of the time we're still getting our shit together but there's lots of good content we have a bunch of books coming out we have another podcast you can check out called strangers in a tangled wilderness uh which is the monthly zine but it is available to everyone and then it also follows with an interview with the creator talking about their process it's really good you should check it out do either of you two have anything to plug before i i i just got this book in the mail that i did the art for that you might oh, know yeah? about yeah what is it it's your book margaret i have a book yeah. Is it called We Won't Be Here out. Tomorrow? Um, yep. I have a book of short stories that's coming out called We Won't Be Here Tomorrow. It, it comes out September 20th from AK Press, which is a collectively run anarchist publisher, which rules. Uh, and if you order it now, you get art print made by Cassandra. Well, drawn by Cassandra. It's probably made by a printer somewhere. Um <laughs> And the print part of it anyway. Uh, and it illustrates one of my stories. Um and also Cassandra did the cover art and it's really beautiful. So you should check it out. And in particular, we want to thank some of our Patreon backers. We want to thank Haas the Dog, Chris, Sam, Micaiah, Kirk, Natalie, Eleanor, Jennifer, Starro, Kat, J, Chelsea, Dana, David, Nicole, Mickey, Oxalis, Paige, and SJ. Thank you so much for, for making this possible. Uh, and yeah, I hope you all are doing as well as you can with everything that's going on.